0: Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Good morning. morning. Welcome. Welcome to all of you joining us online also this morning. I'm going to begin with a question today. How many of you are parents and are raising children or have raised children? Can raise your hands. Yeah, most of us had that experience. So I'm going to ask you this question: How many of you, when raising your kids, or if you're raising them right now, would measure part of your success by how they submit to authority? <laughs> Catherine, you can, Anybody? Would you? Yeah, you you can say yes to that. Don't be modest. I mean, if you're doing it, good. Good for you. I I, I asked that question. Because it, it, it pointedly brings something to light. When we're raising our kids, we're probably going to focus on competencies, life skills, making sure that they can do well. We're probably going to focus a, a bit on their self-worth and make sure that they're confident confident uh, in, individual. Maybe we'll work on making sure they have balance with friends and they don't succumb to peer pressure. But very, very few times do we really think about the power of their understanding of submission to authority. It just doesn't enter into the realm of thinking. It's so foreign uh, to culture, uh, but it's so, so biblical. All right? And you can imagine now where our, our different series is taken. us next as we continue on in, in the book of First Peter. It takes us right into the, what I call the, the strength of submission, this understanding of, of the importance of submission. And if you rightly understand authority and your relationship with authority, how much influence that you can really wield as that person who rightly is submitting uh, to their authorities. Now, I'm going to admit to you readily so, this is a hard topic. I really don't even want to talk about it today. But it's also, I think, one of those high-potential topics, high-potential areas of obedience That if we really understand it and begin to truly implement some of the things that uh, uh, Peter instructs us in here in the scripture we're about to read today, that's life-changing. And you'll do your life entirely differently. And so I I want to ask you to be open to what I'm going to share with you. Don't shoot the messenger. Although I'm going to say this. I've spent much of my life putting these very things I'm going to share with you today into practice. And... It's hard. People say to me frequently, "I want to go really deep in the Lord Jesus." Well, today we're going to. This is this is stuff. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the ones who just want to be casual Christians. What I'm going to share with you today is about really earnestly pushing into and striving to be Christ-like in everything that you do and, and every uh, relationship that you uh, you know are involved with this applies and so let's pray it'll help it'll help calm my nerves if nothing else how's that would you pray with me Lord God um I want to pray that you would be just supreme in everything that takes place today that all of us here Lord would be willing to just lay down our defenses and first and, and, and primarily we'd be most concerned about pleasing you Lord and hearing what you have to say to us today so Holy Spirit would you speak to each heart here today would you just anoint this time, make it sacred, set apart for your glory and for the f- furtherance of your kingdom, Lord, and may, may we just be really receptive in hearing what the Spirit says to each one of us this morning. I pray this in your name, Jesus, and by your power, amen. So I'm going to begin by reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to reread a couple verses, 11 and 12, that we ended with last week, and then what I read from that on, uh, from that point on, is going to be uh, new information. So here's, here what the word says today. Dear friends... I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now listen, he's not leaving this topic of what it means to live a good life. He's starting to expand on what it means to live a good life, okay? So here's what he says. Submit yourself... to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who uh, judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed have you ever heard that by the way We take it and pull that right out of context, don't we? And say, by his wounds we are healed. What are we healed of? It's in the context of this teaching. We're healed of self-agenda. And we're free to be submitted to Christ and trusting him. And submitted to authorities. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we ended last week's message with verse 12. Live such a good life among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify him on the day of his uh, visitation. What I'm going to share with you today is what I call grown-up faith, man. This is mature stuff we're talking about today. This whole idea of submission and authority and, 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 and having respect and, and showing honor, um, you know, uh, what we have to understand is there's there's like phases to to your, your faith in Jesus Christ. And I understand these different phases. Uh, sometimes we're working out our salvation. We're wondering about the Bible's validity. Do we have to listen to the scripture? Is Jesus really the only way to God? Uh, we're asking some of these kind of questions. And yes, I would encourage you, if you have any of those questions, work those out. But at some point, friends, we become established in our faith. We no longer question the validity of biblical teaching. We no longer question that Christ is the way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We quit questioning those kinds of things. We're established. And at that point, our questioning turns to more depth. How, God, do I live for your glory? How, God, do I honor you and how I treat others? How, God, do I bring others into your kingdom? That's where Peter is taking us with this teaching. He's taking us to this depth, this new kind of way of doing life where we don't see Uh, authorities necessarily adversarially even though they may be adversarial we begin to understand that God has called us to even live right lives under harsh authorities and maybe have to suffer consequences for doing so but we understand that submission must prevail in us as Christ followers because that's the place of great influence and furtherance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ Um, so what does a good life look like Well, it looks like submission, so let's give us our big thought today, how to live a good life. The good life is experienced by properly understanding and practicing submission. I'm going to say that again. The good life is experienced by properly understanding and practicing submission, bringing glory to Jesus and giving you opportunities to influence. By bringing glory to Jesus and giving you opportunities to influence. I've read several articles over the last few years that say in summary, because Christians, now they're just saying this at large, are not very good at honoring those in authority. Do you think we're good at honoring those in authority on a total level? Probably not. I'm not saying some of us aren't really good at this. We probably are. In totality, we're not very good at honoring those in authorities. And then when we've been in power, we're not good about letting others have a voice in, 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 in you know what's going on. We, we try to stifle some of that. We've lost a lot of our influence now in, in this day and age. In a culture that's far from God, we begin to lose our voice. So the teaching on submission here is essentially... Something that we have to grapple with. It's so, so very important. Now, we tend to struggle, not necessarily with some of the principles that, well, you submit to authorities. We tend to struggle with what? Unjust authorities. You want me to submit to an unjust authority? But think about the ones to whom this scripture was originally penned. Think about the emperors in the times of Peter. These guys are crazy, they weren't just a little bit off off track. They were crazy off track, right? And Peter's saying, "Submit to these ones." Why? Because it's not for the, it's 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 for the furtherance of the kingdom. And it's to have a voice of influence. It's to have a witness that brings glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he's not saying that these authorities are good and just and okay. Uh, that's not what the First Peter teaching is about at all. It's about our response should be above that if we want to further the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, hear this. I want you to please hear what I'm about to say. Peter is not addressing the rightness of these harsh authorities. He's not addressing that issue. That's what I tend to get hung up on. How about you? But it's not fair. But it's not right. They're despicable, right? Right? They just think about themselves. You can use all this kind of rationalization when it comes to somebody in authority over you. Peter's not addressing any of that. He's addressing our hearts. Us. And how are we going to respond to such adversity in our lives as a a people of God, as a a spiritual priesthood, as a holy nation, as one set apart for the service of Christ? How are we going to respond? And, And he says, this is how you should respond. In submission. Now, think about what Peter's been teaching us in the epistle of 1 Peter. We're a new creation in Christ. We're seen, we're saved, and we're being sanctified. We're called to live a holy life, a set apart life, a life entirely differently because Christ is our Savior. Not only this, is we're part of a community, right? We look around here, we're all the community of Christ. We're part of this living structure that's being built up into what Christ intends. And we're spurring one another on to good deeds and good works and we're encouraging one another and we're bringing our gifts and talents to bear on one another so that God's grace is administered in its fullness for the, uh, you know, the mutual benefit of one another because we're in this kind of symbiotic relationship, remember? Talked about that just a little bit last week. And all this is preparing us what? to impact culture for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, to declare his praise among the people by living lives that are so different that people go, what in the world's going on with this group of folk? And, and, and then, then what Peter is saying here today is this. One of the ways that we're really going to impact culture is by relating to authorities very differently. And being in submission to them. So we gotta understand this perspective. Submission to authority becomes a very loud witness about Jesus and how he radically changed his lives. Now, right before the pandemic, I put together uh, the, the year's teaching, and now Aaron and I do that together. But right before the pandemic, do you remember that a couple years ago? Now, some people say, well, I never had a pandemic. I'm not going to get into that with y'all. I, I, that, that's fine. You can have those discussions. I'm not going to get into that. Right before COVID 19 made news, how's that? I put together the series for the year. And part of that series for the year uh, teaching was uh, a series from Romans specifically, the latter part of Romans. And a big part of that was Romans chapter 13. <laughs> it was ironic. I mean, it's God's hand in this thing because I had no idea what was going to happen. Romans 13 is all on submission to authorities. And right in the middle of that pandemic, we got all this junk going on. Everybody's angry. Do you remember all that? I mean, if you don't, where were you living? Right? It's just going crazy. And it took us right to this topic matter of submission. And I felt like at the time, it was so raw and people were so upset that a lot of what was shared wasn't heard. We get a do-over today. We're a little bit removed. Hopefully we're a bit more mature and more reflective about what's happened. And maybe God wants us to really understand this whole topic matter of submission to authorities and what it's really about. I just found it was interesting. I just want to tell you, I didn't plan Romans 13 on purpose just to be a thorn in everybody's side or whatever. It was planned out before the year took place, okay? And so some asked me that, so now I'm answering that question. First Peter chapter 2 is pretty much a repeat of Romans chapter 13. They're really, really similar. So let me ask you this question over the last couple of years. How have you done personally in relating to authorities? Has it been an area of contention in your life? Do you think you've been biblical in that approach? Today, you get a do-over, amen? And we're going to look at the subject matter once again, and I just want you to be thinking on this. Now, interestingly enough, you have the Apostle Paul, Apostle to the Gentiles, giving this really dramatic, clear teaching on submission to authorities in Romans chapter 13. And then you have the Apostle Peter, this larger-than-life Apostle also, who who was really an apostle to the, the, the to the Jews, to the Hebrews, giving the very same teaching in First Peter chapter two. It's like, I think this is important to God. What do you think? You have these two major apostles giving the exact same teaching to basically directed at two different groups, saying exactly the same thing. And you gotta remember something. Pastor Aaron and I were talking on this a little bit. Both Peter and Paul were martyred by the very authorities that they were saying to submit to. I mean, it probably won't get any worse than that. So we really need to sit back, let our defenses down, and just listen to what God wants to tell us today. Would you do that with me? Because it's easy to put up defenses and rationalize this all away don't do that. Just hear what God wants to say to your heart today. So, First of all, let's talk on the characteristics of submission that uh, Peter lays out for us here in this scripture. First thing, do what is right. Submission doesn't mean we do what's wrong. We don't submit to ungodly authorities by doing ungodly things. He's not saying that at all here. Peter says, live such good lives among those who don't believe, they see your good deeds and glorify God. So we're to do right. We, now hear this, we tend to demand our rights especially because we're Americans we're a very rights oriented culture I don't think God cares about our rights he demands that we what do right frequently I find myself saying that's not right that's not fair, that's not just, I'm fairly prophetically gifted So I have a high regard for right and wrong, right? And so I get into this conversation frequently in my own mind. That's just not right. Anybody relate to me? God just doesn't care what you think that way. I mean, that sounds super harsh when I say it like that. But what God is most concerned with is that you do right. Not that your rights are adhered to. It's a very different way of looking at life. We're called first and foremost as followers of Christ to do right, and what's interesting is this principle that's laid out here in Second Peter that we're to do right and live right, and be in submission to authorities. What, what was spelled out like so clearly here in Second Peter or excuse me, First uh, Peter chapter 2 and then uh, uh, Romans chapter 13 is illustrated all over in the Old Testament. Uh, and I found that fascinating. It happens frequently. What's clearly articulated in the New Testament is often illustrated all over in the Old Testament. So let me give you some examples this morning about how this is illustrated in Old Testament uh, uh, greats that we probably would all admire. Joseph, the, the boy who received the coat of many colors from his dad, was sold by his brother's into slavery. They were jealous of him. He ends up being a slave in the household of Potiphar. He didn't demand his rights. What did he do? He did right. He served Potiphar. Potiphar's house prospered because of Joseph. Then Potiphar's wife got an eye for Joseph and she made a sexual advance at him. He denied it and then she falsely accused him of making sexual advances against her and he's thrown into prison. What does he do in prison? Joseph does right he submits to his authorities, they prosper, they do well. And finally, because of some dream interpretations, some other things that happened while he's in prison, he's raised up to the, the second in, in charge of all of Egypt, he's basically reporting only to Pharaoh. And what does he do there? He does right. He submits to Pharaoh. He serves Pharaoh. So you see Joseph as a slave, as a prisoner, as a second command in Egypt, and he was able to do right, and by doing so, he influenced greatly oftentimes in this place of godly submission influence is experienced how about David King David he's anointed to be God's next king but there's one problem Saul the one that he's replacing is still alive Saul doesn't like David and at one point, Saul tries to pin David to the wall with a spear. He's trying to kill David. So David spends a lot of his early days there fleeing from Saul's wrath and from Saul's pursuit. And at one point, David could have killed Saul, but he didn't touch him. And basically, his command is going, what are you doing? And David says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And David understood something that's essential about authority. God raises him up. God puts him down. It's not our job to do that. It's our job to submit to them as much as possible. And because David, I'm convinced, because David submitted to God and all these things, he could be labeled as a person that's after God's own heart. Then think about Esther. I love the story of Esther because it's so bizarre. You got this young Jewish girl, evidently very pretty. Her uncle says, You need to get into this harem of. This Persian king and all that he, you know what I mean? It's like, what? What young girl wants to be in a harem for a foreign king, the king of Persia? And then, she, of all things, she selected to be the queen of this king. That could never have been her dream. But yet God was raising up this girl that was submissive to a relative, that was submissive then to the king, to, to be used to save his people from annihilation. And she was raised up for such a time as that, right? And submission, rightly done, leads to a lot of what? Influence. Then you get to Daniel. He's a person of nobility in Israel. But Babylon attacks him and takes Jerusalem captive, taking Daniel captive. And so what they're going to do now is take these people of nobility and make them basically servants in the household of the Babylonian king. And Daniel's one of those people. That meant he was going to, come under constant attack they're trying to erase his former nationality they're trying to erase his former personhood they're trying to recreate him and the whole time you're seeing Daniel resist that be submissive in doing so but yet being very very respectful and all that and being able to influence and he lived through a couple kings influence to them. At one point he kept praying to God. He didn't give up what he's supposed to be doing. He was always doing right, but then some of his, his adversaries tattled on him to the king, saying he's praying to somebody else beside you. And so he was thrown into the lion's den. Remember this story? But God shut up the mouth of the other lions and they didn't consume Daniel. And boy did that king love Daniel. Daniel, are you okay? Yes, King I am. And and we see the great influence that he had because of his place of submission. So what I'm trying to say is this. Do right, friends. Submission to authorities. It's not about agreeing with what they're doing necessarily. It's not about endorsing what they're doing. It's about trying to serve them in a way that blesses them and also illustrates that you're a Christ follower, okay? Are you getting this? So... Peter instructs us, be willing to suffer for doing good, because sometimes doing good means that you're going to suffer. And this addresses a big concern I think a lot of people have. How do I deal with an ungodly authority? Who asked me to do wrong? You don't do wrong. You do right and you suffer for it. I told you this is not teaching for faint-hearted. It's not like, oh, this is feel good. No, you do right, but you probably suffer consequences. Uh, 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 the the, the teaching of 1 Peter chapter 2 isn't telling us submit to ungodly authorities and do ungodly things it doesn't say that you couldn't suffer for doing good that's probably part of the package but it's the way you suffer willingly and in submission speaks loudly and gives you a voice of, of influence the person in authority has a position to make your life miserable Sometimes they do. How you endure becomes the witness that God's greater than that situation because you know what? You're a foreigner, man. You're an alien in this world. You don't belong to this world. That's what Peter's saying here. You may lose a promotion because you won't lie on your expense sheets. Okay. You okay with that? Don't lie in your expense sheets, is what I'm saying. (laughs) All right? You may suffer criticism and, and harsh treatment for doing right, for being honest and telling the truth. Okay. This brings us to the next aspect of submission then. Forgive, don't retaliate. And now Peter brings us right into this understanding of Jesus. Jesus committed no sin, no deceit, was found in his mouth, yet they they, hurled insults at him, but he did not retaliate. What did he do? He forgave. You can't expect those friends, far from God, to act morally. Why do we expect that? They're not going to act morally. Okay? If you allow yourself to become bitter by mistreatment by such authorities who's it going to hurt you yes and it's going to hurt your ability to influence Uh, even as I'm sharing this with you I I readily meant this is hard teaching right boy is it powerful if you want to influence this is powerful stuff This last point may be the most important point. Entrust yourself to the Lord. It's a trust issue, friends. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust that he's in control and he's truly sovereign? Do you trust his plans for your life? Do you think that he can even work through people who don't know God in your life? Are you first and foremost concerned to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? Is that what's prevailing in you? You know, Jesus entrusted himself to God. He entrusted his life to God. He entrusted his, God's plans that he was supposed to die on the cross for us. When all is said and done, the more you grow up in your salvation, the more you understand God, the less you ask questions about, can I do this questionable activity? Can I do that questionable activity? I know you've got to work through some of that kind of stuff. When people ask me about questionable activities, what do you think of this or that? And, or, or use the language, well, I'm free in Christ, I can do this, right? I'm going, man, that's a 13-year-old question. That's an adolescent question. That's okay to ask those questions. But I don't know, if you've had kids, if they get to be 12, 13, they kind of want to know the boundaries, right? They want to know. You know, can I go do this? Can I go do that? You know, and what's wrong if it's not hurting anybody else and all that kind of logic. And I'm going, yeah, that's adolescent questions. There has to become a point in your life where you grow up (laughs) and you become a grown-up. And the question, just changes. That's what Peter's doing here in this chapter. You realize that, right? This is grown-up questions. Because the reality is we're all going to serve ungodly authorities. We're all going to have relationship with such ones we're all going to have to figure out how to do this and and how do we do it in such a way that we have influence and we demonstrate godliness I was blessed when I began to work at 3M to have two very godly bosses they greatly influenced me but you know what that was short lived most of my interaction at the company was with authorities that had a non biblical worldview. Now hear me on this, please, okay? What I tried to do in those circumstances was work as unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and I tried to bless those in authority over me. I tried to work for their benefit as much as possible, realizing I probably never get the recognition. Realize they probably would get the recognition. Okay? But at some point, you become a grown-up. And you follow Christ because you love him. And first and foremost, you're worried about what he thinks of you. All the other things fall in the proper place. It's a trust issue. It's a, it's, a, it's a who's controlling me issue. This person or the Lord God who I love with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Do I need the recognition of people? No. Is it nice? Yes. But I want to serve my Jesus first and foremost. And sometimes that means I'm never going to be recognized for doing what's right. (laughs) Are you okay with that? This is grown-up faith, man. This is what it means to get deep in Jesus Christ. Last Sunday night, I was asked to speak at Oasis. And Pastor Brendan gave me the topic matter, and I kind of laughed about it. I'll tell you why in a moment. But he said, I want you to speak on God as love. Therefore, he is good. You know, I'm really... A lovey-devy kind of personality, so I thought, okay. <sighs> I really dug into this topic personally a lot. When it says God is love, for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. That, that's the Greek word agape, which means for God so sacrificially cared about the world, he was so others-oriented, so concerned about his creation, so, you know, putting others first, that he sent his only son. This isn't an emotional love. This is a decisional love. God cared about others so much and their well-being that he sacrificed his son so that we can have a relationship with him, right? Then we're to love each other that way. When... First Peter said, love each other deeply. It's agape one another deeply. Love one another in such a way that I really care about your interests. That I'm first and foremost making the decision, I want what's best for you. So here's what we have to understand. God wants us to agape those in authority over us. It's not a sloppy emotional love, it's a decisional love. God, I want the best for their life. They may not even know that. They may not even understand that they need that. But I want the best for their life, and I'll... Submit to them in such a way where I'm working towards that end all the time. It doesn't mean I do wrong things. In fact, sometimes it means I do the right things and I suffer for it. But it means that every interaction I have with them, I'm trying to think of how does this benefit them. Amen? It is such a different way, friends, of doing life. It is just life-changing to begin to do life in this manner. I think this is... It's why elsewhere in the Bible it says for you and I, pray for those in authority over us. Why? Because we want God to move in their lives. We want them to experience God. And also we want to live quiet lives and be able to serve God. So in summary, what does looking good uh, uh, look like? It's this. Submit with respect to both the good and considerate authority. So I hope it's easy for us to submit to the good and and considerate authority, right? Hope that's easy, right? Amen? Amen. Wow, I didn't even get an amen on that. Yeah, I hope that's like a no-brainer. And the harsh authority. Ooh, that's a little harder. You are called and it is commendable to do good even if you suffer. The supreme example of this, of course, is Jesus Christ. Now here's this big principle I think is being laid out for us in the scripture that I read to you this morning. Show proper respect to everyone. Show proper respect to everyone. Peter says, Submit to the, for the Lord's sake to every authority. Submit for the Lord's sake to every authority. we to show proper respect um, to those in authority and to one another. I'm going to say something here. This is relationship class 101. All right? We're supposed to respect others. It doesn't say respect them if they're respectable. It doesn't say honor them if they're honorable. We're just supposed to show respect one to another. It begins in the body of Christ. Sometimes I'm going, oh, we can't even respect each other. How are we going to respect those who are harsh rulers or harsh authorities? If you disrespect, and if you have a combative attitude, you know what you lose? Your voice. Your influence. Remember, remember, part of what Peter's doing here is he's saying this is how God's community interacts as a witness in culture that's far gone from God. This is how we have influence by the way we submit to our authorities, the way we interact, the way we show respect. Um, And guess what happens when we're combative and disrespectful? We burn the relational bridge, man. And we lose our voice. We lose our influence. And the people in Peter's day Man, they had tough authorities. Yet because they did good, they silenced their opposers and had a voice I was listened to. Joseph, David, Esther, Daniel. They all did this really well in their times. Even those like Peter and Paul did it really well in their time. Get this though. This is how far it went with Peter even. Both Paul and Peter were martyred. Peter, when he's going to be martyred, said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I would like to be crucified upside down. So he was crucified upside down. And even in his death, even in his submission to the ungodly authority, his influence was humongous, right? Because he understood how to do so in a way that was submissive, but yet he didn't sacrifice the rightness of following God in the middle of it all. Here, I'm going to get super want with you I'm basically appalled by the lack of respect that I see Christians show one another at times and for sure showing our authorities it breaks my heart because I know when we're doing that you know what happens? we're losing our voice again I'm going to say this again so you hear me I don't want to have any any, any misunderstanding I am not saying when we submit to our authorities that we agree with them that we're endorsing them, that we're thinking they're even doing right. Right? You hearing me on that? That's not what I'm saying. That's not even what First Peter's teaching on. It's teaching on a reaction and how we react to such things is essential for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. So here's our conclusion. Living a good life, properly understanding and practicing submission is essential for the furtherance of the gospel. A while back, we did a series called The Remnant, which talked about how do we live in the margins of culture when we're being pushed to the margins. Well, right now, honestly, you may not believe this because this is, you know, we've got a large gathering going on here week in and week out. But by and large, Christianity is being pushed to the margins. How do we influence culture when we're pushed to the margins? Well, we live good lives devoted to Jesus Christ. A life that submits to authorities for their welfare and for their blessing, Sometimes that means we're going to suffer for doing what's right. Then we get a better understanding of Jesus, if nothing else, because he suffered for doing right. And I don't know about your goal in life. My goal in life is to know Jesus Christ better and better and better. And if in the middle of suffering we can know Jesus Christ a little bit better, isn't that a win for us? It's hard, but isn't it a win? I'm not getting a lot of head nodding here. I'm not very good at suffering, especially when I've done something wrong. A while back, I'll share this with you, I'll be really honest, okay. So a while back, I'm heading up north, and uh, I just put my car on cruise. Anybody just do that? I'm driving at 11 o'clock at night. i got it set on cruise, probably a little bit over the speed limit. So I get to this town called Mission. Speed limit's 45. I go through three 45-mile-an-hour three signs. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm tired. And um, pretty soon I see the... Christmas tree lights in the, in the mirror, right? And I looked at it, said, rats. I'm guilty of sin, man. I'm guilty here all the way. I can't even make an excuse. He pulls me over. What do you know what I'm doing wrong? Yeah, I know I'm speeding. I said, well, I'm going to give you a ticket for just going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, which was 160 bucks. And uh, instead of giving me my $250 ticket, I'm grumbling. Vicky says, thank the man. What? He's giving me a ticket. Well, he could give you one for $250. We're having this conversation in the car. No, I'm not going to thank him. You should thank him. You know? She was right. You're right, hon. Because <laughs> I deserved a lot worse than that, right? He gave grace. Yeah, all right. Anyway, he gave grace. He gave me grace. He did. He, he, was, he, was, he was kind to me. Um, and I think that's our common... Thing in life. What we have to struggle against and why I share that story is this. We have this keen justice meter oftentimes going on that's really skewed. I don't speed most of the time. Anybody relate to me? Rats. The one time I do, I get a ticket. Yeah, but I'm still guilty, right? And sometimes we'll look at this authority. Well, this person's just a jerk or this person doesn't care. And, but God... Would say to you, "I don't care about that." I remember early on in my career, through him being over, overlooked for uh, a promotion, I deserved it. man. I had done everything, and we could use the money. Anybody been there? And I got overlooked. I was so upset. And I went to uh, Ron Loveland, who was my mentor, lamenting the story to him of what just transpired. I was so upset. And he looked at me and he said, Steve, who do you serve? Well, Jesus, do you serve men? No. He said, well, then shut up. <laughs> kind of how he said it to me. I said, oh, we had that kind of relationship, you know. And I remember saying, oh, but Ron, he said, but what? You'll get your due recognition in time. If you, and if you don't, you still serve Jesus Christ. So who do you serve here?" Jesus Christ or human institutions. I learned that lesson at 26. And it stuck with me the rest of my life. I pray that everybody in here today, you're learning this lesson. It sticks with you the rest of your life because you'll do your life entirely differently if you know this lesson and this kingdom principle. So here's a couple of reflection questions I want to end with. How do you talk about and treat those in authority over you? Make it a habit to not talk Accusatorily of people over you. Just, if you start saying something, go, ah, ugh, shut it down. Don't do that. <laughs> Especially with those that you dislike or disagree with. What does submission look like in the case of an ungodly authority? And if you want some help, consider this question. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were dealing with their ungodly authority at the time when he asked them to worship their, the, the graven image. They said no, but they got thrown into a fiery furnace. God didn't have to save them. He decided to save them, but they could have perished. And they said, we'll perish if we have to perish, but we're not going to serve this graven image. So sometimes those are the decisions you have to make, okay? Most of the time, not. Whatever happens, if you just don't like your authority, don't use that as an excuse. Remember, submission means I'm working for the, be- the welfare of that person. I agape them. And that gives me influence, And a voice, and there's great strength in submission. So let's pray, and then I'm going to turn back over to the praise band. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this teaching of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. I think it's some of the most powerful teaching in the Bible. I think that same thing about Romans 13. It's not easy teaching. It's hard teaching. It's hard to grapple with the balance. And you know, um, and so I pray that we would have balance in this. That we'd understand that there is great influence and submission and I, I pray that we do right in spite of what authorities would ask us to do understanding that sometimes we're going to suffer some consequences but we serve a king who's in heaven, his name is Jesus and we trust you Jesus no matter what we face we trust you and we trust your ways and so God may your ways be higher than our ways and may we just trust in them and adhere to them no matter what we think Lord And may they characterize us. And may you use the people of Grace Point, the people sitting here, the people listening online, may you use them to influence culture for the glory of your name, Jesus, and for the furtherance of your kingdom. I pray these things in your name and by your power, Jesus. Amen.